Good morning, good morning everyone, and it's an exciting day, um, not just the Israeli Day Parade, but the 50th anniversary of our return to Yerushalayim, our return to the Kotel. It's a personally exciting day for me because I'm sitting in the presence of one of my mentors um, in a building that really helped shape my identity and um, transitioned me into a lifetime of beloved, devoted rabbinics. And more than any skills or wisdom that you imparted, it was just your warmth and the degree to which I saw that you identified with this endearing profession. And it was a real lighthouse for me. So I want to thank Rabbi Roth for everything that you endowed me with. It's a thank you. What? Not at all, not at all. So thank you very much. And uh, extremely, extremely fond memories of all of uh, those, very, uh, those very formative moments during my life as a person, as a young married couple. You were very welcoming to us, a young father. Uh, an inspiring rabbi. So thank you so much, and thank you to you as well. One of the challenges of building a state as a religious Zionist is the introduction of icons and symbols. Every state requires its currency, its flag, its identifiers, and yet some of these identifiers can't be traced back to biblical or rabbinic sources. They feel modern. And for many, this is ample reason to reject them as... as as trigger points or as, um, as components of uh, religious Zionist identity. So, for example, in Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaZmet, many people, not necessarily in our camp, but feel that the siren is a foreign intrusion. It's, a, it's not a native or innate Jewish way to mark fallen soldiers or Holocaust victims. And of course, we adopt it. And today we'll celebrate that flag. It's a march of our people and a march of our state. And the pivot of that march will be raising our flag. And I thought it'd be appropriate to try to frame the role of a flag and the symbolism of a flag, tracing it back to what role it played in Tanakh, what role Chazal saw in a flag, and trying to associate some of those roles with our modern-day flag, while all the while still dreaming of the introduction of that ultimate redemptive divine flag. So first of all, I want to thank Debbie, because it was a great idea to try to create at ground zero. I apologize for being a bit late. I had to circle for a few long minutes, let's just call it, to find some parking. But it's a nice introduction to the first mention of a flag in Sefer Bamidbar when the Jews parked. Parking was a little bit easier in the desert than it was on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> a little more chaotic, but there's more room available. Less, I can assure you, less hydrants. And as they encamped, the Torah describes, source number one, Ish They created this encampment, the various tribes, various Shavatim, we've read about them the last two weeks, Bamidbar, Nassau, Yehuda, Reuven, various regions and zones of the Jewish encampment. And it would appear that these flags are fairly pragmatic or logistical to create division, organized populations and sectors. But when the flags are mentioned in other moments in Tanakh, they're, moment, they're mentioned in a framework of affection and intimacy, of love, and of singularity. And in particular, the Pasuk which drew Chazal's attention was the beautiful verse, the romantic elegy, or the romantic whimsical hope described by the woman as Am Yisrael, in Shir towards her male counterpart, source number three, you took me to the cellar, your wine cellar, which presumably is a site of intimate rendezvous, private, unintruded by others. And you raised the flag of love. That's not a logistical flag. That's not a pragmatic flag. That's a diglo alayahava. There was something about that flag that conveyed love between God and people between man and wife, between male and female. And Chazal associated the Diglo Alai Ava of Shir Hashirim with the Degel in the desert. And somehow that Degel in the desert was more than just a traffic cop or uh, an identifier. And interestingly enough, it was a Degel which HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not initiate, and this is crucial. It was a flag which the Jewish people solicited and requested. And this is Chazal, for, this is their probably most characteristic description of the flag assignment. Source number five. 
220,000, but teams of angels were swarming around Harsina. I just came from Baltimore. There's a locust infestation, so I lived through a swarm. The cicada have arrived. So there's swarms of angels, as conveyed by the Pasuk, Dago Merivava, also capturing the term flag, source number four, another Pasuk in Shir and Shir. And something caught the attention of the Jewish people. Kivon Shero Osam, source five, line four. Shame Asuyim Degalim Degalim. The Jews noticed that each company of angels was associated with a flag. Hishilu Misavim Ladegalim. A great covetousness, great desire, great passion for their own flags. Hishilu Misavim Ladegalim. Amru, they said, Alokai, Kachanu Nasim Degalim Kamosan. We want to be flagged as the angels. And a Kaddish Baruch who reciprocated or responded, line number three from the bottom, source number five, you crave these flags, I guarantee, I will fulfill, I will respond affirmatively. Because the wine cellar is a metaphor for Harsinai many levels, either because Torah is compared to wine, Torah is compared to many liquids, to wine, to water, to oil, but it's compared to wine, based in part on the first Pasuk and Shir Hashir, and Kitovim Dodecha Miyayin, perhaps Harsina is referred to as the Beis Hayayin because the Gematria of Yayin is 70, and it was interpreted into 70 languages, there's an international ambition to Harsinai, but Beis Hayayin is a metaphor in Shir Hashir for the encounter at Harsinai, this wine cellar at Harsinai. So Hashem said, I will bring you to Harsinai where you saw the flags and I will assign flags for you. So what's interesting about this medrash is first of all that a flag is more than just perfunctory or logistical. It's, a, it's, an, it's an act of love and a bridge of passion. It's angelic. It carries angelic connotations. There's something about the angels and their flag assignments that caught the attention of the Jewish people. And more importantly, it was human initiative. Flags, by definition, a human convention. Rabboni responded and delivered a flag, but by definition, we await so many divine interventions in our redemptive process, and we still believe that there's such an important component for human initiative. We'll all take that initiative today, in our hearts, with our feet today. Until then, over Fifth Avenue, celebrating Yerushalayim. Is that others in Yerushalayim and Yerushalayim? So if I have, but I've wanted to different times. So what does she do? She runs a dance troupe in her local church. So I inquired, uh, what, uh, what dance, uh, what, what performance are you about to? And she said, the next performance is Jerusalem Day performance. <laughs> we're going to play the sounds of the paratroopers landing at the Western Wall, and we're going to sing about our feet walking in Jerusalem, and then the dancers will perform that scene, uh, the artistic rendition. So there are many ways for our feet to, and many, even in North Carolina, your feet can, can, uh, can tread upon the imprint of Yerushalayim. So there's something about these flags that human beings initiate, they saw in the angels. So what made these flags so coveted? What made these flags, why are our flags so important beyond just logistics? So first of all, Chazal drew our attention to segmentation and identity and location. Remember, this is a band of slaves. Slaves have no familial identity. That's why it's so empowering to be storytellers. Just as redemption is about to emerge in the beginning of Parsha's bow, we're informed that we'll be storytellers. So telling the story is an act of empowerment and affirming that we live in family situations and conditions rather than scattered as slaves. Slaves oftentimes don't have family lineage, certainly don't enjoy family pedigree. 
But aside from the family unit, it's also just a national disarray, national chaos. Slaves have no, can't decide where to live, when to live. Slaves in Egypt typically were half naked, if not fully naked. So the typical um, elements of identity, of location, of zoning, of family, were completely missing. And of course, that's what characterized Malachim. We're diverse human beings. We, we're multitaskers. We're involved in multiple arenas of human experience and multiple identities. Angels are one-dimensional. They have a task. Their name reflects the task. They dispense that task. Some of those tasks are transient. This is, of course, the conversation with Yaakov and the angel, that mysterious angel in Parshas Vayishlach. What is your name? What is your task? So the angels have a very finite, defined identity, task-oriented, flag-defined. So the flags hovering above these swirling angels, the swirl would suggest chaos and anarchy and, um, and, and, and as we would say in Israel, Balagan, but despite the swarm and despite the volume of angels, the clear definitions, clear tasks, clear identity, clear function, clear location. And this is part of what the Jews craved and were so excited that in this transition from identitylessness to nationhood, they wanted flags to define location and region. And this is elucidated by a medrash that teases out this message a little bit more profoundly than the more general medrash I just read. Source number six. Rabbi Yeshua de Sachnin, B'Shem Rabbi Levi, they, were, they approached the Martev Hagadol Sholiyai in the second line. They came to the wine cellar. They didn't just see angels with flags, but they saw a differentiation and they saw a compartmentalization and orientation. Yisrael Michael Vidiglo, line number three, source six. They saw the angel Michael and his degel. Gavriel Vidiglo, Viro Ene Tikasim Shalmal, and they saw the ceremony. They saw the order. They saw the organization. In fact, more often than not, in Sefer Bamidbar, the word degel doesn't really mean a flag. It means a section. Degel Machane Uvein, Degel Machane Ephraim. It means a zone and an identifier. And at the very root level, a flag creates identity. Thank God we always retained our identity, but it was through abstract mechanisms of ritual and Torah study, very powerful, very buoyant, very concrete, but we had no sense of location and zone, and sadly enough, our family situations were constantly pressured by the ravages of history and the assaults on Jewish identity, and the very base level, the fact that Akash Baruch Hu, as he did then to a band of slaves, who had been fractured by hundreds of years of slavery, he restored flaghood, the ability to raise our national flag and to identify ourselves nationally, and not just nationally, but also the connotations of belonging to a unique people. There's an interesting conversation surrounding the verse in Shir Hashir. A beautiful song. Many of us are familiar with the terminology. Shuvi, shuvi, hashulamis. Shuvi, shuvi, v'nechazebach. Very poetic, shuvi, 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 shuvi. Shilamis is a nickname for the Jewish people. One read which Chazal had is that this phrase, shuvi, shuvi, hashilamis, is a solicitation of Jews by the international community. We honor you. We admire you, shilamis. Come join us. Join our ranks. Return. Abdicate some of your Jewish trajectory. Incorporate yourself in our communities, in our culture, in our governance. Shuvi, shuvi, hashilamis. Shuvi shuvi v'nechazebach. Nechazeh sometimes in Tanakh means an appointment of title and promotion. If you enter our midst, we will promote you. We will advance you. You will be our governors and our presidents, our leaders, our scientists, which of course, thank God, we have been. But perhaps incorporate more deeply at the cost of some of that Jewish identity. Abdicate the Jewish identity for the sake and the promise of advance and success. And what does the Shulamis respond? I remember the camp in the desert. You can't offer me anything that transcends the desert encampment. And this is the conversation that takes place in the Medrash, Source 7. The bottom of the first page, the last line. Shuvi shuvi ashulamis. The front page, the front side towards the bottom. Now we're on the back side of the first page. We'll advance you. And our response is Yisrael Omer, line three of the back side, top of the page. What can you offer? She says reflexively. What could you possibly offer? 
שמא יכול למתם לעשות לנו כגדולה שעשה אלוקים במדבר דגל מחנה יהודה, דגל מחנה אפרים, can you offer us a flag? הקדוש ברוך הוא offer us a flag. Namely, it's not as if the flag is so unique, anyone can raise a flag, but the flag is a reinforcer of Jewish identity, of Jewish pride, and of Jewish peoplehood. And throughout history, we're able to delicately calibrate between our incorporation and assimilation to the general culture and our contribution and refining and redeeming those cultures, but maintaining that identity even without a flag. And now, Kodesh Baruch Hu provided that rallying point, that pivot, that reminds us of that very, very subtle, we're part thing out of this culture, we are integrated into the world which we inhabit, but that sense of national identity that we are Shulamis, and as much as we advance in this world, we won't abdicate the Shulamis because we have our flag. And there's a continuation of that conversation in which Bilam looks at the Jewish people with their flag, source number eight, of Bilam, he beat Bahem, he gazed upon the Jewish people, the Yatseino Kinegdam, and he was flustered. He realized his ambitions were futile. Why? Because he saw the flags. Elohim Hadagalim, line number three, source eight. Hitchelomer, Miachal, Ligab, Vneadamelu. Who can assault? Who can attack these types of people? Makira Nisavoseim. Their pedigree and identification with family and lineage and pedigree is so deep as Mishpachaseim. Their family loyalty. We celebrate not just a national identity, but the classic commitment and fidelity to Jewish family and familyhood, which the flag conveyed. A flag has a double connotation. It's not just a national identifier. Remember, they were encamped in the desert based on their family positioning around Yaakov's deathbed. Remember that first Pasuk we read, going back to source one, Ish al diglo biosos leves avosam? Chazal interpret this base avosam as a reference to their surrounding Yaakov's deathbed in their assigned positions, which they would then assume in the desert. Mm-hmm. How did they know which zones to occupy? So it's a Rashi, it's a very famous Rashi. It's a matter of source number nine, Davar Acher, biosos leves avosam, bios shemasa lehem Yaakov avihem. Yaakov assigned trying to avoid the strife that could inevitably emerge without predetermined location. Everyone would vie for Mizrach or <laughs> whatever location in Shul is most coveted. They don't want to sit in the Mizrach. They don't want to sit next to the Rav. So they'd vie for that location. Yaakov averted all that contention by assigning, positioning. So at the core of a flag is identification, national identity, national identity, part of which is family, one of the great, the great errors of the Soviet Union was the attempt, the suggestion that national identity could replace family identity. It could supplant family identity. And we see it as a pyramid. We see it as a almost as a as a pyramid sloping. Our identification with the Kodesh Baruch was built in part of national identity, and national identity is built on family units and family units. We build this this larger superstructure based on constituent components rather than advocating family identity. So this is the first the first object which Chazal saw on the flag, the flags of the desert in Baruch Hashem. The flags may be colored differently, but the flag will hold today. The flag will raise. After so many years of desiring and coveting, and we had flags for moments in history. This isn't the first time we were allowed. Certain Jewish communities were entitled to raise their flag and to place flags. Ironically, in shuls, that was typically the location that a Jewish symbol was allowed to be raised. I say it ironically because this is a very scathing tshuva for Rabbi Feinstein against placing the Israeli flag in a shul that was written in a very different era because he associated the flag with the, the evildoers and the wicked, the Zionist pigs, that he's the word pig, but certainly it's ironic that the flags which predated our flag were actually flags placed in shuls. And again, we're, we're very proud to place our flags in a shul and to, and to hoist our flags today. And that's why, interestingly enough, every Sefer in Torah, as you know, has a nickname. The nickname which Chazal applied to Gracious is either Sefer HaYisharim, the Book of the Morals, Sefer HaYitzir, the Book of Creation, Shemos' nickname is Sefer HaGerula, the Book of Redemption, Vayikra is Tarat Kohanim, Devar Mishnatara. So what's the typical nickname for Sefer Bamidbar? Chumash HaPekudim, the Book of Census. It's bracketed by two senses, one in Bamidbar, one in Pinchas, one before the fall, first year, second year, the second one after the fall, 40 years hence. But the Ramban redistills the name for the Ramban the name is actually comprised of two phrases. Source number 10, the Ramban writes, 
in his conclusion of Sefer Bamidbar, Nishlam Sefer Hapkudim, the Book of Senses, line number one, source ten, Vidigloi Hatsavavas, Vidigloi Hatsavas. This is the Book of Senses and the Book of Flags. Imagine that. Sefer Bamidbar is Sefer Hapkudim, Vidigloi Hatsavas. Because this is the emergence of Jewish identity, that entire process matured, that embryonic development, which we see these fledgling people struggling with identity, fearful of Moshe's disappearance at Harsinai, caving to their weaker impulses, perhaps tensions emerging in Bishalach, and now finally there's peoplehood and it's coalesced around the flag. And we shouldn't take that for granted. It sounds basic and almost cliche, but it's so elusive and it was so gratifying and affirming for that band of erstwhile slaves. And it is gratifying to us after thousands of years of marching through deserts of identitylessness. But beyond... How did he interpret the in the military sense or in the rather spiritual sense? I think both. And we'll get to the military element because there's that association. We'll get to that association. Um, in the Midbar, they were all described as Deger Machaneyo, not Sabayo. Right. Well, that's what Rabbi Roth said. We'll get to the Tzvos. There are other psukim which associate the two. Okay? And Chazal certainly felt that Tzvos, as Rabbi Roth is alluding to, Tzvos can mean military, but Tzvos can also mean hosts and, and representatives. So the stars represent God in the cosmos because they're the creation that, and they praise him every morning as we recite in our prayers. And we are his hosts or his out, his affiliates on this earth because we represent him in this earth. We're not, not really hosts, but agents and proxies, as an army would be a proxy for a king to wage war on his behalf. But more than just identification, there's a beautiful Zohar relating to that Pasuk of the flags. Ish al-Diglo, source 11, Biosos, Yachanu b'nei Yisrael, Rebbe Lazar Pasach. When Rebbe Lazar described the flags in the desert, which Pasuk do you think he recited? Rebbe Lazar Pasach. Simchu es Yerushalayim v'gilu Lazar had the first Israeli day parade. When he read this Pasuk with his Talmidim, he spoke of Yerushalayim, even though he was reciting a Pasuk about the desert. Simchu es Yerushalayim, how did he explain it to his students? Begin, this is Aramaic language in Zohar, begin dechedva, true joy, nationally, universally, cosmologically, True joy is a product of alignment, people, God, and location. Begin dechad v'alawishtakach. True joy can only exist in this world. Ela bezimna d'Yisrael kaimi b'arakadisha. Only when the Jews are resident in their homeland, that's when the world rejoices. The taman ischabras itisabebaila, because the union, the marriage, now has been consummated between God and man between God and his lo- beloved people in, the, in Eretz Yisrael. That's the surpassing, consummate joy. Right? We're a people of ration and empiricism. We're also metaphysical. We also know there are forces and, and dynamics that lie beyond optics that we can't place our finger on, but that we're taught exist. And there's an alignment, not just nationally and historically, but cosmologically, when the Jewish people raise that flag and enter their land. So a flag doesn't just create identity. Today, the flag will create massive identity along Fifth Avenue. But it also creates, as any flag, all the, these very bold and uh, symbolic images of laying claim to the New World on behalf of the state of Spain, on behalf of the Queen of Spain, when you place your flag in the sand, when you place the iconic images from men landing on the moon, Placing the flag of the United States, staking a flag in the ground is establishing territorial assertion and territorial proprietary ownership. So we're not just identifying ourselves around the common pivot, as if, for example, currency could, in theory, serve as that same pivot for common identity. We share the same currency language, but we're staking claim to our land in ways, of course. We're, we're, I was interviewed a few years back for the New York Times. So the correspondent asked me, what do you think about those settlers? I said, I'm a settler. I live in Gush. She said, no, those settlers who carry guns. <laughs> in those days, I carried an Uzi gun, so I showed her my submachine gun. I don't carry one anymore. She said, no, those settlers who carry guns, who believe every centimeter of this land will one day be theirs. 
<laughs> I believe that every centimeter of this land. So well, I didn't fall for the bait. You wanted me to be derisive towards the settlers. She said, well, you feel and seem different. And what exactly? I said, I'm redemptive and messianic. I believe we're part of a redemptive saga. But we have to proceed based on classic classic um, tools of ration, morality, respect for law, adherence to halacha. Some people allow their messianic fever to blur their imagination and to, and to confuse the, 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 and, of course, to, to abuse other people's rights. So slaying claim for our land doesn't necessarily have to be a racist, God forbid, or disrespectful statement. This is our land. We're not yet at the stage where HaKadosh Baruch was granted us international acquiescence to this land. It's a slow process, and we proceed with respect and with morality and with, and with adherence to halacha and with pragmatic concerns and rational decision-making. But we are nationalists in every sense of the word. I'm proud to be a nationalist. I hope everyone here should be proud to be a nationalist. Unfortunately, that term is often associated with smugness and disrespect and bigotry, but it doesn't have to be. So when we raise our flag today, we're reminding ourselves this is our land and this is our zone, and thank God we've returned after thousands of years of wandering to the geographies of this planet, and now we've returned to our own our own heart of, and heart and soul of this planet, and that's an additional connotation of a flag. But a flag is much more than just an identifier at a national level or staking claim to, to land. The Torah describes the Jewish people as walking out of Egypt. We're not just walking out of Egypt bent in submission, ashamed, embarrassed, humiliated. Uvinei Yisrael, source number 12, Yatsu, Biyad Ramah. The Jewish people emerge with pride, upright. And that's a radical and dramatic transformation, Biyad Ramah. After 200 years of subservience, subjugation, one of the great miracles of 1948, we've celebrated so much about 1967, but 1948 was astounding in a very quiet way. Because much of our army were comprised of Holocaust survivors, of ragtag refugees in a disorganized fashion, three different arms, three different branches. And, and the fact that we repelled the massive Arab invasion was a muted miracle. 67 was an overt, explicit, radiant moment. 47, 48 was muted. But had he transformed slaves? And Akadosh Baruch himself acknowledges the difficulty. That's why he didn't travel through the western route. The fastest route to Israel would have been along the west coast. But the Pushtim resided there. They were warmongers. And these slaves couldn't handle warfare. You can't just raise an army. There's an army culture. My son's about to be inducted into the army. There's a culture of army. Magazines and awards and titles. And an army doesn't exist in a vacuum. And they didn't have that context. But yet they still had their pride and they exited Biyad Ramah, the very famous phrase of Vinay Israel, Yatsu Biyad Ramah. Very famous sefer written by Rabbeinu Meir Abu Lefia, Sanhedrin, Mavabasa, very famous medievalist commentator, Yad Ramah. How do they display their Yad Ramah? How is it obvious, not just to themselves but to others? Well, the Ramban reminds us, Zetam Vinay Israel Yatsu Biyad Ramah, Sha'asu Lehem Dega. I spoke incorrectly before. The first flag wasn't raised in Sefer Bamidbar. Hashem delivered a flag to the Jewish people as they left Egypt. And they carried a flag. And that hoisting a flag was a sign of pride, elevation, of, as we would say in the modern spirit, komimiyot. That phrase that's so deeply associated with our return to Slavichinu, komimiyot liartzeinu. Komimiyot liartzeinu, as we say in Brichas Hamazon, Brichat Hamazon. So it's not just to identify pride. It's a question of identity and land association. But it's deeper, it's more psychological and existential. It's not just that we're back in our lands. And it's not just that we're back as, and we've coalesced national identity. Just think for a moment of the pride that you should feel today in our country. 70 years, 75 years after the Holocaust, 70 years into statehood, look at the state we've built. Superpower in almost every area, economically, militarily. Half, if you looked more or less at the encircling countries in the Middle Eastern zone, collapsing democracies, absent democracies, failed state, we've got a thriving and bustling democracy. And then many of the European countries, tinkering economies, thank God our economy is 
booming. And that combination of security, democracy, economy, culture, I tell people, my proudest moment as a Jew in Israel was when Moshe Katsab was arrested for being a, a molester. It's humiliating moments. But what happens in Egypt when people of influence abuse women's rights? Nothing. It gets swept under the carpet. And what happens in Syria? And what happens? It takes a strong democracy to imprison a man of influence. And it's a symbol of how strong our democracy is, despite its infancy and despite the stresses that warfare often places. That delicate balance between freedom and security, which we're all trying to modulate. And thank God, the, the level of democracy is a Kiddush Hashem. So we don't want to represent the state of Israel. We represent our Kiddush Baruch And that us, ourselves, everyone at this table, our people, our brothers, our sisters, through all of our efforts have been able to cobble together the ashes of the Holocaust. Such an impressive nation. I can't imagine a more, I can't imagine a bigger Kiddush Hashem than raising a flag and demonstrating how proud we are of our people. And that's conveyed by Yeshaya. And to show you how often the flags are referred to, Ko Amar Hashem, feel as if you're living this prophecy today. el goyim yadi, I will raise my hand to the nations of the world, right down Fifth Avenue. V'yel armim arim nisi, and I will raise the flagpole. Nice is a synonym for a flagpole, it's a long pole with a cloth on top. They will carry your children on their shoulders. They will trumpet and celebrate them. And all the kings will adopt you and attend. They will lick the dust of the earth, proverbially. You will know that I am your God. Those who have waited for me won't wilt, won't be embarrassed, won't be saddened. We've waited so long. But that's already taken it too far. Not yet. I mean, <laughs> prophecies are not end game prepositions. The Katzke Rebbe used to tell his Talmudim that you know how they say that when Mashiach comes, everyone's going to take the first plane and run to greet the Mashiach as quickly as possible. So the Katzke Rebbe used to tell his Talmudim, I'm going to wait a few weeks. So the Talmudim were shocked. I said, Rebbe, Mashiach, pas hastich, why are you going to wait a few weeks? So I'll wait a few weeks and I'll take my time and I'll show up. And then Mashiach's going to say, Mendel, Mendel, I waited for you. And I'm going to say, you waited for me? What does that mean, you I waited for you. Don't you dare say, you waited for me. I waited for you. So we've waited. Some of it has been fulfilled. Some of it has yet to be fulfilled. And it's not... Intermediate stages of prophecy it doesn't all emerge at once, as we've learned. As we've learned, and Chazal sends this interestingly enough in the wordplay, because those three letters can be assembled in different permutations. So if you flip the letters, Dalit, Gimel, Lalit, uh, Dalit, Gimel, Lamid of Adegel, you can achieve the word Gadol, glory, and we actually say this every year. We play with these words at a stage of our davening on Musaf of Yom Kippur, which is probably the dead of Musaf, <laughs> really feeling the strain. And we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all sorts of blessings and deliverances. And source 16, we say, Tadgil legadel eshemeinu. Tadgil legadel eshemeinu. Raise our pride. Tadgil legadel eshemeinu. And that's just the juxtaposition Yes, it's in a, it's in a section. Yeah, a lot of people. It's right after we finish the avodah. Some some synagogues omit it, but it's only in the prayer books. There's a range of about four or five pages of requests to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, mourning for the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, Tadgil legadel Hashemenu, and for Chazal, this created that wordplay, and it was based on a pasuk about a flag that I didn't read. So if you return back. No, I didn't quote it on the first page, I apologize. But it's a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, which Chazal quoted in Source 15. Ayuma. Ayom means proud, strong, imposing. Ayom benorah. Ayuma kanidgalos. Proud like a flag. Ayuma kanidgalos. And Rabbi Roth, this is where the metaphysical association between the Jews, as you see, Source 15, 
line four, Tzavos Haaretz Yisrael. Tzavos HaShemayim, line three, Malachim, Tzavos Haaretz Yisrael. Shinemar Kol Yatsir Tzavos. Or as Chazal tell us in source 17, how proud we are to be Jews. Typically, if people were to mention God's name in vain, it would be sacrilegious and heresy. But our children, source 17, they enter the study hall. They say God's name or they study his Torah. And Hashem says, Oh, by mentioning my name and studying my word, they have made me great. They have celebrated my Degel or my Gadol. So it's interesting where Chazal flipped the sequence of letters and converted a Degel into a Gadol, but it isn't arbitrary, it isn't artificial because a Degel really creates pride. It's inherent. A Degel creates that sense of pride and triumph and self-esteem at a national level. So when we raise our flag, Ayuma Kanit Galos, after so many years, so many years, which we lack that national pride, in which we walk this world defenseless and vulnerable and bent over. How many people here have been to the most famous synagogue in Europe? We're in one of the most famous synagogues in New York City, so it's appropriate to think about the most famous synagogue in Europe, the Altanaishra in Prague. I was so excited to visit that shul. Such lore. The Maharal, the Noda Behuda, the stories of the Golem. <laughs> stories of the Golem. And it's a hovel. It's one floor. It's moldy. It's dark. It's dank. Because Jews weren't allowed to build palaces for Torah and prayer. The synagogues couldn't be taller than the local cathedrals. And, and they were building palaces. a palace. I'm so proud to be associated with this building palace and I teach in the yeshiva marble floors you all hopefully visit me in the Gush yeshiva some of you are going sooner than others so I've been there remember the marble floors and the waterfall the fish and the botanical gardens and when the yeshiva was built the chairman of the board was asked why do you need a waterfall why do you need marble floors what is this a movie theater a museum and to his credit Moshe Mashkevitz one of the visionaries of the modern state of Israel said what in Torah doesn't deserve such glory it's all these years of bent over humiliation, fear, shame, and discomfort to walk proud down Fifth Avenue to raise our flag. V'nei Yisrael yatsu biyad Not, God forbid, in a way that's militant or offensive or preening, but internal. To feel those internal, internal pride that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has delivered for us. And those are the existential elements of a flag. But there are two other elements I want to speak about. Number one, when the flag is described in Yeshaya, it's not just an identifier. It's not just a, um, a source of pride, but it's a collector of people from the four corners of the earth. Yeshaya raises the flag so that people won't be beckoned by that flag from a distance. Some actually feel that the motion of the flag in the wind conveys movement and migration. The flag rustles in the wind. Source 19. God will once again, Yosef Yado, We said this yesterday in Davening. You should return us a second time. From Ashur, three lines in the bottom. From Mitzrayim, from Patros, and Kush, Elam, Shinar, Venasa, Nesla, Goyim, Yasaf, Nitcha, Yisrael. We just said this in Davening. The sun, Nesla, Kabez, Goli, Yosenu. And we'll gather from the four corners of the world. Kol Yoshvei Sevel, a little bit later in Yeshaya. V'shoch ne'aretz k'neso ne'is harim. When the flag is raised, we recite this Pasuk on Rosh Hashanah. V'chit ko'a shofar. It's a multimedia collector. There's a sound that collects us, but there's also a flag that's waved. The flag is a symbol of return. The flag is a symbol to return to our people, to return to our land. And interestingly enough, it beckons not just the Jewish nation, but it beckons... Our, our agenda sometimes feels national or nationalistic. We have to remind ourselves our real agenda is universalistic. Our real agenda is to introduce prosperity for an entire planet 
speaking about a week ago, and someone came over to me with tears in his eyes, Rabbi, there's such anti-Semitism, and they hate us, and they hate us. What should we do? And I said, unfortunately, there are enemies, but there are also one day our audiences. They're the people we're meant to project to. And we're lovers of humanity. Of course, those who are our direct opponents, aggressively involved in acts of violence, have to be, of course, defeated and, and, and restrained. But just because people dislike our position in history and challenge our place in Eretz Yisrael, that can't lead or seed anti or nationalistic xenophobia or disregard for others. So when Yeshaya raises the flag, the flag is being hoisted not just for Jews to gather, but for the nations of the world to gather and to support the Jewish return. We haven't... I'm sorry, what's your name? Ada Khan. Ada Khan. Oh, so, so we haven't yet merited that, that the nations have supported our return, as you said before. We're returning, some do. The woman, I, I didn't mean to disturb you, but you raised it before. That, that woman sitting next to me on the flight didn't support it, and thank God there's a, a sizable section of, of today's international community that that triumphs the Jewish return, just as there's an even larger segment of our world that's still hostile to the Jewish return because Yerushalayim, remember, Yom Yerushalayim is mentioned only once in Tanakh on a very sad and bleak day. Zohar Hashem, Pnei Adom, it's Yom Yerushalayim, Hamrim Aru Aru The description is of the Romans ransacking Yerushalayim, raising, salting the land. And it's ironic but important that our celebratory day is also called Yom Yerushalayim, because it's based on the same premise, that's the Yisod. Why were the Romans so aggressive to Yerushalayim? Because they recognized it as the Yisod. They knew that this is not just another city, it's not just another country, it's the Yisod Ha'olam. And have to conquer it and strip it of any Jewish identifiers. And that's the reason we return so miraculously, it's the Yisod Ha'olam. So to me it's ironic that we refer to Yom Yerushalayim in the day that we lost Yerushalayim because it's all premised on the same notion that Yerushalayim is the Yisot HaOlam. It's where history began, and it's where history will end. For Jews, history is circular. It's not evolutionary. There's a terminus. And we've waited, and we're inching closer towards that terminus. And, as Rabbi Roth mentioned before, that final connotation of the flag, is as we know, and has become so obvious to us, and so endeared to us, and that image that Baruch gave us, an image that allows us immediate access to the Six-Day War, the paratroopers. Who, who thinks of the Six-Day War doesn't think of those three paratroopers, the image that Hashem delivered to help make it more graphic and concrete. But every time we see a flag, almost our immediate association is with our chayalim, our soldiers who gather as absolute svelas Hashem, defending our people. And what a schuss it is. And what, and may, I don't know if there'll be any soldiers today, I don't know if it's legal to wear Israeli uh, uh, uniforms, I don't know if, They'll be attending, they'll probably be attending the not Israeli uniforms, they don't know what the rules are. But the glory and the pride for so many years for Jews for throughout centuries, soldiers connoted fear and trepidation. And then in many Haggadahs, the Russia of the four sons, Arba Badam Dibrataros, so their caricatures and depictions, and many Haggadahs, the Russia is depicted as a soldier, a Roman soldier, a Spanish soldier, a Christian crusader, because soldiers could abuse Jews with impunity. And now we have our soldiers and our flag and, and the, the flag emblazoned in their lapel. I mean, I have to tell you, every time I see a woman soldier, I start breaking down and crying. <laughs> Somehow I've gotten past the male soldier part. When I see a female soldier, and there are quite a few of them, female policemen, I just lose it. The beauty that, that we've been able to create uh, governance and a police force and an army force to defend us and that it's equitable and we've extended opportunity to participate and their talent that we've expressed, it's part of our secret that we... We exploit the entire range of our talent, male and female, and in the other countries in the Middle East that can, that can assert that contention. It's, it's unfair. They're unmatched because we're, we're utilizing all of our talent. They're playing with one hand tied behind their back. Because Baruch Hashem, we've allocated such space for both male and female in our army. And again, there are debates about what role they should play in combat units, but the larger issue is that they're such, they contribute in such a meaningful fashion. And that's why the word Degel, believe it or not, is adopted by Chazal, as a synonym for going to war because of its association. So the Gemara in Shabbos describes two Talmidei Chachamim who are battling over a Talmudic debate. And despite the battle and despite the um, uh, potential tension that could emerge in such a confrontation, they conclude harmoniously and God enjoys this. And it bases that narrative on Diglo Alayahava. So let's listen to how Chazal describe this intellectual battle 
Amar Rabbi Abba, Amar Rabbi Shimon, source 22. Shnei Talmidei Chachamim. Hamadgilim zelazeb halacha. Who are battling each other in halacha by raising the flag. Hamadgilim. So the devil becomes a synonym for battle, in this case, intellectual and respectful. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Olavan. Hashem is excited by this intellectual ferment, intellectual activity. You'll see him with Hashem next year. You'll come to base Mesh. You're not walking into a library. You're not walking into a museum. You'll hear screaming and shouting. And that's the secret of our education. We educate differently. Naftali Bennett wrote a piece about this in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago. People are always trying to crack the mystery of Jewish education. Is if our school system and education system is so superior? It isn't. Trust me. We've got alternate forms, and we empower our, our youth with leadership in very early ages through B'nai Akiva and other youth groups. Now they enter the army where the stakes are, in some cases, um, augmented, and they're young in positions of authority, but also this chavrusa dynamic of not reading, but interacting and challenging and joint conversation and listening. And that's how, that's part of our startup mentality, is that we question one another in a respectful fashion, we're collaborative. But we don't just assume uh, we don't just assume implicit truths. We question truth. We're people of questions, and we, we create new new realities. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu is thrilled. So those are the five elements that I see in today's flag. We have a national identity. Finally, Baruch Hashem, that flag demarcates our land, is hoisted all over our country and today, symbolically. We're so proud to have our land and our people and the people and the country we've built. We're proud, sadly, we don't choose to have an army, we're not militant people, we don't invite war, but we've been placed in this position and we defend ourselves valiantly. And we're in the process of ingathering. It's a slow process. And in gathering isn't all or nothing, it isn't absolute, it can be partial. Frequent visitations, people own apartments, families who move. It's part of our hearts are migrating. Sometimes the hearts precede the legs. Sometimes the hearts migrate and the legs follow. Sometimes the legs precede the heart. Different, different, different types of sequences. We're not there yet. We still daven not just for the flag that human beings have created, but we daven for our Kurdish Baruch's flag. And this is, of course, the Pasuk about a flag is probably most familiar to us. If we turn back to that first page, we spoke about the flag in the desert and the flag in Shir Hashirim, but our real wishes, source number two, every day, except when we don't say it, we want to celebrate our Kaddish Baruch Hu, not our redemption, but your redemption, not Yeshua Tehu, but Yeshua Techa. The fate of the Jewish people reflects the presence of Hashem in this world. As our fate rises, his presence augments. As our fate declines, his presence recedes. This is to me, and speaking in particular to the Talmudim, one of the major epiphanies that Rav Amital taught me. I spoke about this last week. I grew up in Brooklyn in a very small place. And for me, the saga of Kiddush Hashem and Chilul Hashem was shrunk into the question of how I would behave at Chase Stadium. <laughs> if I was orderly and kind, I was a Kiddush Hashem. If I spilled popcorn on the person next to me, that was a chilashem. And Rav Amital brought in the tapestry. There's a state, there's a people, and they are God's proxy and representative in this world. And as our state accelerates and expands and succeeds, people see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Saul Salanter's favorite, Levi Yitzchak's Kaddish. Safra Tovra Kaddish Baruch, we're your people. They, the Russians have the Russians. And the, it's exactly. And we're Makadish Shem Shemayim. This is the day of a Kaddish Baruch. As Hazal tells us, and we'll skip some of the sources just for the sake of brevity, but just let's read this final, final Medrash. Everything that you've provided for us, line 3, source 25, it's not our salvation, it's yours. The Vav is missing. It can be read not just that God redeemed, but God redeemed himself. If you remember, this is one of the main themes of Hoshanos. You read, I, I exited with you. Kodesh Baruch Hu was redeemed as we're being. 
V'shem Elokeinu nitgol. Now we want your flag. Hashem promised us a flag. It's in Parshas B'Shalach. By even Moshe Mizbeach, that war with Amalek, that historical war, ended in an armistice. It wasn't decisive. And then Hashem said, Moshe built the Mizbeach, prescient, foreshadowing future struggles. Hashem now is the flag. So we have our flag. And through great efforts, we try to tether it to Jewish history. When David Wolfson chose the flag to design his Congress. As recording is on. It was, uh, we were celebrating Yom Yerushalayim, and he was our guest speaker. So I had him in my study, and then we walked up together to the synagogue, we were a large con- congregation, and I was shocked to see that the, the uh, flag of uh, Israel was pinned by our executive director, without consulting with me, on the Yom <laughs> Now there's a difference between Kedushim, it, it somehow struck me as, as being something, a terrible violation. So I said to Rav Goran, I, I, I apologize, look what's going on. He said, don't apologize. Right. Right. Wow. It was worth it to come it, to hear it, that story. It, 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 it was a, a beautiful, a beautiful episode. You have a brother in Florida? It's a large family. So that just finished. When David oh. Wolfson chose the flag, he chose a flag consciously to resemble scissors. We typically associate the talus with black. That's a modern convention. For hundreds of years, scissors, talus, was rimmed with blue because we lost talus. And this was a symbolic recreation of talus. So even though it's a symbol, it's a symbol that reminds us of the struggle of Jewish history, that 1948 didn't occur in a vacuum. It's a product of all of our faith. And now we're waiting for our Kodesh Baruch Hu's Dagel. And... One more word game, just because since we last met, I've become intrigued by Hasidus. Intrigued by Hasidus. Do you remember I wrote it? That's my influence. Right. Because for the Svasemis, Degel doesn't just invert into Gadol. And it's based on Chazal. But it also conjugates as Diluk, a skipping. And we hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Svasemis' term, just for a second, will create the type of leaf forwards History can be incremental, but it can also be accelerated. So we hope not just the Diglo Alayava, but we hope that today the Dilugo Alayava will see that rapid and dramatic shift rather than the slow evolutionary shift. I'm sorry. Was that sure. Everyone enjoy your day. Take great pride. Thank you. It was a real honor. Thank you.